Transformational truth number five. Don't get so focused on trying to find open doors that you forsake your development. Instead, focus on your development and trust God to take care of the doors. Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. Today on Transformational Truths, I am so excited to have Pastor Patrick Winfield on the show. Pastor Winfield is a campus pastor of the Potter's House of Fort Worth, Texas. He is a leader, he's an educator, he's a coach, mentor, pastor. He's a husband to his wife, Veronica. He's a father to their three children. Pastor Winfield's passion to empower people and help others fulfill their potential is absolutely incredible. The things that stick out to me personally about Patrick is that he's gifted, he's anointed, and he is humble. We had a powerful and important conversation about personal development, and you're going to get a lot out of today's episode. Let's go ahead and get started. Our special guest today is Pastor Patrick Winfield. Welcome, Pastor. We're really honored to have you on today. Thank you, Pastor Travis. I'm so glad to be on, honored to be on. Thank you. Well, we're honored to have you. Here's today's transformational truth. Don't get so focused on trying to find open doors that you forsake development. Instead, focus on development and trust God to take care of the doors. Mm-hmm. I believe, as you do, Pastor, that God created each of us with destiny. And, and I think one of the most natural questions we ask ourselves in different seasons of our lives is when is a door going to open for me that will allow me to fulfill that destiny? That's, that's going to let me walk in my God-given purpose, and it can be frustrating mm-hmm. at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reality is that while we don't know what door will open for us, it will generally be the one we're prepared to walk through. And, uh, Pastor, I can tell our listeners personally, I've witnessed you, I've watched you over the years. You have a passion for helping people develop their greatest potential. Uh, you have an insatiable desire for development, both personally and professionally. And um, I'm curious, where did this come from for you? How did this shape your calling? How did this happen? How long has this been in the making? <laughs> well, uh, 29 years. Wow. Actually, actually, I- I would say this, that life has an opportunity or life has the way of kind of training you for that which God is calling for you to do, even before you realize that Mm. you're being trained. Yes. Even before you realize you're being developed. So every problem, every trial, every tribulation, every pain, every heartache, every, every, you know, promise, every success, every failure, everything that has happened in your life is actually getting you ready for the thing that God is calling for you to do now. Now it may take some time for you to recognize right. it. So I'll say that I recognized it when I was 18. Um, and a prophetic voice kind of spoke to me, Bishop J.D. Ellis, who said, there's a young man on this call, this side of the church has been running away from your call to preach. And I don't know who you are, but I'll know who you are when you stand in the, in the aisle. And um, when I stood up, and was brought to the aisle. He said, that's him. And he laid on his hands on me. 
for ministry. And that was my first embracing of the call that's on my life and everything else that happened. Because I was on my way to college that weekend. I was on my way back to school my freshman year of college. And that moment kind of is the thing that jump-started me towards asking God, what are you requiring of me? Mm. And and that kind of moved me and morphed me into into kind of developing in places and spaces where he was calling me to. Mm. Um, And that that was that was the heart. That was the passion, you know, to, you know, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm there is there is a sort of, you know, verbosity that I think we all have to a certain degree, a certain arrogance that we all have in our own ego and our own self and our own ability. But when God asks for you to do something that you have absolutely no clue in, that is a place of humility and really development starts at the place of humility. Mm. I I can't develop you if you think you know it all. Oh, 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 wow. Wow. Hold on a second. Uh, for all of our listeners, you might need to hit rewind, listen to that last 60 <laughs> seconds uh, a few a few more times because um, Pastor Winfield is dropping gold for us. Um, and what I love about this wisdom is that it doesn't really matter if you're in ministry, if you own a business, or you're just trying to lead your family. Uh, yes. You're dropping principles of wisdom that are applicable across the board. I, I want to recap something, you, two things you just said. Number one, problems actually prepare us for purpose. That yes. is inc- an incredible axiom uh, that that I want us all to grab onto. But the other the other thing is is you know I I you talked about willingness to be developed. Yeah. Um, can you speak to that just a little bit more? Because you have a burden to develop. I watch you do it. I've seen you do it on multiple uh, levels. How important is it that we are humble enough? And I think humility is such a key for us to develop and prepare mm-hmm. us. How important is it to be humble enough to receive development? Yeah, it, it, it's it's extremely important because you can only be taught so much as you are willing to learn. You can only hear so much as you are willing to listen. You can only develop so much as you're willing to give yourself over to it and humble yourself to it. Every person in the Bible or outside of the Bible that has done anything great had to come to a place of humility of learning before they ever stepped into that great opportunity. And those who were arrogant when the opportunity did present itself, they were totally unprepared because they may have had knowledge, but they did not have the spirit of grace to help you to handle the room, the atmosphere, the pain, the 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 hail that comes with the success. Um, and so and so you'll find you'll find it in 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 David where where David had to learn how to deal with the sheep before he was ever learning how to deal with soldiers. Mm. He had to fight lions and tigers and bears before he was fighting a Goliath. And he had to humble himself to do a menial task of delivering lunch to his brothers who were supposed to be the ones to fight Goliath or possible the ones to fight Goliath. But this menial task of humbling himself to what his father said brought him to his destiny. Wow. Moses had to be humbled again, where he had to learn how to how to lead sheep before God ever tells him to go and lead his people. Everybody has got to go through this power of, of premise where you humble yourself. Elisha had to burn up the the uh, the yoke and cook up right. the oxen 
before right. he was willing to go and follow Elijah. And the Bible says that when Elijah died, Elisha was known as the man that washed Elijah's hands. Uh, wow. In other words, he had no reputation. He had no name. The only thing that they knew him by was his humility that he used to serve the one that was teaching him. Wow. And in this day and age, my concern is for a generation that has that has the gifting, they have the charisma, they have the talent, but they don't have the humility. Mm. You just said so much. Um, <laughs> let's let's pause right there. What has happened, Pastor? How have we gotten to this place? I, I think there's a lot of leaders listening um, who have they share your concern. I share your concern. Um, where did we go wrong or what happened that brought us to this place where we're seeing less and less willingness to wash hands? We're seeing less and less mm. willingness to carry the lunch to the front line. We're seeing less and less willingness to just simply humble ourselves um, and recognize these, what seem like menial things, really they're opportunities for development. How did we get here? I think we we put more glory in the platform than we put in the process. Oh, oh, oh. And there's more glory in the process than there is in the platform. There is something to be said about, about the process. And we haven't talked about that enough. We, we've talked about our, our successes, we've talked about our platforms, we've talked about our influence, we've talked about the anointing, we've talked about the numbers we're running, we've talked about all that stuff. And at the end of the day, you know, the average individual can come along and if they got any kind of administrative and leadership ability, they would be able to do the same thing. Wow. Uh, <laughs> really, um, but it takes a process to be able to do it. We did not talk about our process. We, didn't, we talked about the buildings that we have, but we didn't talk about the storefront that we started in. <laughs> we we talk about we talk about the people that we preach to, but we never talked about you know the salt and pepper shakers that we used to preach to before we ever had people. Come on, um, we talk about we talk about the degrees that we have, but we didn't talk about the the struggle of of going through an academic <laughs> process to right. get the degree. Right. We talk about our successes, but we don't talk about our failures. And I think the problem with us is we don't tell the whole story. Mm. We tell a piece of the narrative, but not the whole narrative, because we think that the, the sexier part is the glorious part. But the right. most provocative part of any narrative is the fact that you failed, the fact that you had mistakes. That's the part that human beings can connect with, because everybody can connect with your with your successes. Yes. We all have different successes, but everybody can connect to the fact that you failed, you made mm. a mistake, and you got back up. Something on the inside of you, the indomitable spirit that God has placed on the inside of us, spoke to you enough that you would get back up. And in, irregardless of the failure and the obstacles and the hindrances and the issues of your past and your history, you still got up. That mm. speaks to people way more. And I think we have not told the full narrative. The other piece is this. I don't think that we have been as, as relational as we should be with people. Mm. Outside of a pulpit or outside of a great or, or uh, a platform experience. And when I say right. platform, I'm not just talking about ministry. I'm talking about those entrepreneurs who may have great businesses and you're doing great and you got a wonderful platform and you're on virtual 
uh, uh, virtual uh, platforms and you've got your media, your multimedia going, you got right. your followers, you got all of that stuff and that's great, but you have no relationships with people. Mm. You have no significant relationship with people that you could pick up the phone and say, I need some wisdom on wow. this. Um, one of the things that I, I hold very dear to my heart in the academic process, and I had to learn this while I was matriculating through school, and that is the greatest thing that you can ever develop going through school, university, college, whatever, is not necessarily the information that you would espouse. It's mm. the relationships with the professors that you can create. Uh. Because they can teach me what they know in one setting in one semester. But you can't teach me everything you know in one semester. That's right. <laughs> you that's can only right. give me a degree of what you know, i.e. that's the reason why at the end of the process, you only have a degree. Wow. <laughs> you wow. have a degree. <laughs> you don't have the whole, you have a degree. <laughs> uh, so when we say that you're degreed, that is a sign that you're limited in what you know. But if I connect myself to the one that's teaching me. Yes. I can always learn even beyond this time in this semester. The powerful part about Jesus coming and, and saying to Peter, come and follow me. You got to understand the history of Peter's development. Peter was developed in, in that time in the Jewish tradition, Jewish custom of you learning the Torah backwards and forwards from the age of five to ten. Mm-hmm. And then you you were given the opportunity to ask questions. They they would teach you how to ask questions between 10 and 12. That's right. why Jesus in the temple asking questions and giving answers at the age of 12. Yes, and then yes. at the age from 12 to 15, you're asked to be able to spar with the questions that you ask. Mm. And then at the age of 18, a rabbi would come to you to ask you a question and to see what your response would be. The rabbi's response would either be one of two things. Either he would say, come and follow me because the way that you answered that says to me that you got potential to follow me. Or the rabbi would say, go and get a vocation. Mm. So now when Jesus meets up with Peter on the ship, he is meeting up with Peter in his vocation because a rabbi has already told him, go get a vocation because you're not good enough to follow me. So when Jesus comes by and says to Peter, what did, how did Peter respond? He, he, to his knees and started to sit by the first rabbi, the Messiah. He has been dealing with his own insecurities that he is not good enough. And when Jesus, the Messiah comes and says, come follow me, he's getting another opportunity. And he starts at the place of humility on his knees. Oh my God. And for three years, he follows him. For three years. Oh my God. I'm about, I'm about to have church in my office right now. Um, wow. Wow. My Lord. Um, hold on a second. So you, you have dropped in the last few minutes about five different truth bombs on us. Um, you, you said, one of the things you said, I want to visit, you said, um, problems prepare us for our purpose. Uh, we put more glory in the platform than in the process. Lord have mercy. Mm-hmm. Our ability, and, and, and there's something that you said when you talked about building relationships and you talked about humility. I've discovered something in my own life, in my own leadership, and that is this. I'm in the process of, of unpacking this. Our ability to be powerful will never exceed our willingness to be vulnerable. Oh. Yes. There, there is oh. something about your willingness yes. to be human. Mm-hmm. 
And I think a lot of younger leaders coming up have not always had the privilege, Pastor, of seeing some of their leaders be vulnerable. Um, mm -hmm. Because there was a time where vulnerability was not celebrated. There was a time where vulnerability was, it was almost, uh, you know, almost demonized to an extent in, 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 in the realm of leadership. And yet it's the thing that connects us, our humanness, that you already pointed out, the fact that we have failed, the fact that we too know what it feels like to walk through darkness and disappointment and pain. Uh, that is the most intriguing uh, aspect of our story. That, that yes. Because somebody, Pastor, could look at, look at you, a leader, um, blessed, you're doing well, you're impacting the kingdom of God, and think to themselves, well, he's always had this. This guy's always been this way. This guy's always had it together. And I think that's the misperception. Uh, because the truth is, in my experience, the leaders who are making the greatest impact are also the leaders who have walked through the greatest darkness. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Pe people have no clue of uh, the suicidal thoughts, the bouts with depression. So good. Um, yes. yes. The issues that came out of great disappointments of my life. The times in which I thought God just, I had missed my turn or missed my opportunity or whatever. And, and I, I just wanted to go and die on the backside of a desert mm. <laughs> that I just, just didn't want ministry anymore. And, and the times in which I felt inadequate to be able to do what God has called for me to do and certainly did not have the patience to wait for it. Mm. Um, and the times in which I had to repent to God to say, you know what, you know better than I. And then when he did open up a door for me to just walk through the door, it wasn't just, yeah, I deserve it. It was, oh my God, I feel like a fool that I doubted <laughs> you. Um, and, and those times are absolutely, my life is riddled with them. Now, those who follow me closely and those who are my either close friends or mentorees and people that I'm pouring into, I am the first one to tell them. I tell them of my struggles. I tell them of the issues that I'm struggling with and dealing with because you won't be able to appreciate the glory until you understand the full story. I tell my mm -hmm. sons um, about, you know, this. these are things that I dealt with. These are the bouts that I had. This just didn't happen. You just didn't wake up and all of right. a sudden we're in this in this mega ministry. Let me tell you how I got here. Uh, let me tell you how I failed. Let me tell you how I fumbled through this and accepted me for God's faithfulness and grace. I wouldn't be here right now. I don't think God calls us because we're perfect. Yes. He does not call the greatest one. He calls the most humble one. Mm. The difference between Saul and David is not the issues of their sin. It is not their sinful ways. The, dish, the difference between Saul and David is because immediately after sin, immediately after being found out, David was willing to repent. Yes. Saul was so not. good. Oh. And David was always after God's heart, which is what kept him on the straight and narrow from totally being engrossed by his own flesh. That was the thing. It was his repentance, his heart to do that. I believe the Bible shows us the worst parts of humanity 
I mean, and there is there is molestation in there. There is adultery in there. There is incest in there. There is idolatry in there. There is all kinds of God-forsaken things in the Bible yes. that God does not hide from people. And that is to show us that humanity, the depravity of humanity is always here. But the glory of God and the faithfulness of God is always here to provide mercy and mm. grace if you just humble yourself enough to be covered. Mm. Mm. That's the story of redemption. My God. My God. Wow. Yeah. Pastor, we live in a culture that... Um, honestly loves shortcuts. We, oh, man. <laughs> we tend to, you know, our, in our culture, we tend to seek them out. We tend to celebrate them. I mean, uh, the truth, however, is that when it comes to development, this line of thinking can actually become detrimental because, because there, as you are pointing out, there are some aspects of development that simply take time. Yes. Um, why yes. do you think the temptation to overlook the importance of our own development can be so attractive. Why do you think we're so tempted to take the shortcut? Uh, I, I think it has a lot to what people are seeing uh, and what people are hearing. You always hear about hacks, right? right. Let me give you a hack to this, a, a hack, life hack to that. That's right. It's a life hack to this. This will right. help you to cut 10 years off of whatever. And to a certain degree, I do understand it. And it, depending on what it is, it, sure. it is helpful. But there is no life hack for character. Mm. None. It, 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 it's laughable for people to think that they have a hack when it comes to, when it comes to God's timing. There is no hacking God. Mm. <laughs> Okay, you can hack programs, you can hack your PS station, you can hack your Xbox, you can hack your phones, you can either hack, you can even ha hack emails, but you cannot hack God's plan. Uh. No way, no how, you can't do it. God always proves that he's God. So, so I think that's, that's been the pervasive mindset. And, and because technology, which is supposed to be a help to us, is actually also a hindrance. Yeah. Because we slow down, technology is supposed to help us to slow down the process of problem solving. That's right. reasons why computers were created to slow down or to speed up the process of problem solving. But in 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 efforts to speed up the process, you have you have dumbed down the human process of learning. Mm. because sometimes that takes time. So you can learn as much as you can learn, and you can be knowledgeable today about some particular subject, but you still don't know you. Oh, my God. And there's a whole lot of people that has has information about subject matter, career choice, field, uh, a multimedia thing, how to do this, how to do this, but they still don't know themselves. William Shakespeare said, to thy own self be true. What good is it for you to amass all these things, and at the end of the day, you still don't know you, which is the reason why you're still depressed, even though you got everything. Wow. Isn't it interesting that when people who, who are committing suicide during, during depressions, I used to work for the Chicago Board of Trade, and they used to tell us about the people that would commit suicide, that would literally jump off the building, the top of the building. And, and I said, wow, well, why would they do that? And, and they would say this, that people who had office spaces, I mean, big office, like like they had yep. business, they had lots of money. 
when they lose it, they would lose it. Mm. Now think about that. When they lost it, they would lose it. People are poor and dying and they're not jumping off of buildings. Right. <laughs> they're not jumping off. Of, they, they, they don't right. have what rich people got, but they're not jumping off of buildings. They That's have right. problems, but they're not jumping off of buildings. Now, you may have more young people committing more suicide that has more to do with technology and all that stuff. But that's another conversation for another day. But but typically it's the people that's got the world that can't handle not having it because they got the world, but they never did find themselves. Oh, wow. So, so I think that what we've got to do is to help people to find themselves, to help people to discover who they are, yeah. not who they are in comparison with other people, because that's right. the other piece too. Because I compare myself with somebody else and to compare yourself with yourself is not wise, the Bible says. So now mm. I've got to find out what, who Patrick is and to love Patrick for who God has created him to be and not hate Patrick because Patrick is not Travis. Mm. Uh, and if we do that and help people do that and that takes a lot of mentoring right that takes some life right. on life relationships that's right to be able to do that if people are willing to have that kind of process then there are leaders that are willing to have that and to your point there are leaders right now who are not willing to have that kind of relationship because watch they don't have time <laughs> Isn't that interesting, man? I'm 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 sitting here speechless. Um, this is this topic is so important, and you're you're I know right now you're you're being led into certain um, attributes of development. Um, you, you know when when you're especially in our world of ministry, um, you believe we very much believe in being led of the Spirit, and I've just sensed the spirit leading us in this interview down paths mm. that we didn't intend to go, which tells me that there are people listening that needed to hear what they're hearing in this episode, pastor. Um, wow. It's profound. Uh, pastor Winfield, can, can you, for somebody listening right now who says, okay, I want to be intentional about development. I I'm so focused on doors that I don't even know who I am. I'm so focused on, you know, wow. the next opportunity that I, I haven't discovered my own identity. Um, what's something practically that somebody can do to develop their own God-given potential right now? Like, well, like they would say, they're listening. Where do I even begin? Where do I start? How would you answer that? First of all, start with praying for somebody hmm. who will be able to come into your life and help you. Nobody, nobody will ever find out who they are until they find the one who holds the key to their treasure. All right. God places in all of us a treasure. Right. But he places the key to that treasure in somebody else. The Bible says in Proverbs 16 uh, that many of the plans of uh, the plans of a man's heart is like deep war. A man of understanding knows how to draw it out. Mm. Which means that if you don't know then you're not the man of understanding. Wow. <laughs> okay. Which means that sometimes God will send a man of understanding to draw out of you that which is on the inside of you or to help you to interpret the events of your life that really points to who you are. 
more so than who you are not mm. and, and help you to be able to view those events as precursors, as harbingers of greatness and not impediments and hindrances of greatness. You need somebody that's going to give you a 30,000 uh, foot view right. of life because, because you can only rise at this time. You, can, you, you only got a rooftop view. Mm. And rooftop view can only show you what's happening on the ground. Right. But 30,000 shows you what's happening in the community, the city, and how you are intimately connected to what's happening in the world and not necessarily your own world. That's the part that you need. So you start, you start with that teacher. Um, there is an old uh, Chinese proverb that says that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yes. That we all have need to be taught. The Bible says that we have many teachers, but we have not many fathers. Yeah. To, uh, like I said previously, I'm sitting in church. Lord, okay, Lord, what are you calling me to do? And God sends a man by the name of J.B. Ellis, who, after he gets finished preaching, heard my quiet prayer and says, there's a young man sitting on this side of the church. You've been running away from your call to preach. I don't know who you are, but when you stand up, I'll know you. I mean, it was like, oh, my God, God heard me. Wow. And God used somebody else to bring it out of me. So you start praying for people around you who can bring that out of you. That's number one. Number two, you, you start you start doing some soul searching. And when I say soul searching, I, it's not just prayer. It's not just fasting. It's not just meditation. It is you thinking about you. What are your likes? What are your dislikes? What's your personality? What's your temperament? What's your gifts? What's your talents? What's your proclivities? What are your weaknesses? What are your strengths? What is what are your what what, what constitutes you? Yeah. Uh, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 11, I think it's verse five. It says, oh, you young man, do what is all that is in your heart. But know ye this, that whatever you do, you will be judged for it. In other words, you got to do what's in your heart. But if you can't find your heart and locate what you want to do in your heart, then you don't know what to do. Wow. Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, 11th verse says that all things are made beautiful in its time. But he has set eternity in the hearts of men so that you cannot know what it is. Mm. <laughs> So everything that you're looking for is in you. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> everything in life that you're looking for yeah. is in you. Yeah. I wish this would change. You got to be the change in order for you to see the change. Mm. You know, why, why, don't, why, don't somebody, why don't somebody change this? Why don't somebody do this? Because it's waiting on you. Yeah. Let me, let me recap something you said. Um, you said pray for somebody that can that can help us you that was your starting place when it comes to practically developing your own potential and being able to recognize that that we're not always our own person we're not always able to pull out of us and then you said something that i think is profound that we need to just just kind of put a pin in this for a moment you said everything you need is already within you yes. everything you need is already inside of you and that's a principle that's a concept that i don't think we hear enough of i think when you look at the, the parable of the seed and the soil, we spend all of our time talking about the seed, but really the parable is about the soil. And, yes. and the gospel of Mark makes it clear, the seed's always good. The seed of God's word is always good. The question is, is how's your soil? And Jesus made it clear the soil is in your heart. So everything mm -hmm. you already need is already there. He's given you the soil that you need. He's given you, you've got the seed that you need. 
And that's important because I think sometimes we're always looking outside of us for something that God already put within us. Yes, absolutely. Uh, every, everything that God created the earth to be, he's created within the earth to continue to perpetuate it. Mm. Wow. So he does not have to recreate anything in order for the earth to bring forth anything. Wow. So he puts a seed in the tree so the tree can continue to produce after its kind. He tells Adam, be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue. And then when it comes to Adam being all alone, God says it's not good for man to be alone. So he puts Adam to sleep and pull out of Adam a rib and then creates woman. Wow, wow. And then he says that you got to be fruitful and multiply, which means the two of you got to come to some agreement. And on the inside of them, they pull out Cain and Abel. Mm. Everything that you need is on the inside of you. Even Peter says that God has given to you everything pertaining to life and life godliness. And godliness. So everything you need is in you. The problem is, to your point, is that we do not become agricultural when it comes to the soil of our own heart, researching uh, our soil, making sure that we understand the nutrients of the soil. I, I, my, my, grass, my grass is always the best yard uh, in February. It's the best. And, and my neighbors are always saying, oh, my God, who is doing your yard? What is going on? My yard doesn't look like this in February because my yard looks like it is like March and April in February. And, and I told my neighbor, I said, well, it's, it's two things. It's not just the person that's doing my yard. It's not that just the seed that they have put down in my yard. But it's also because we're at the bottom of the hill. Wow. And all of the water runoff from other people's yards come to mine. So I have a lot of water, even without me watering my yard. I've got water all the time in February. Wow. If it rains, if it snows, it doesn't matter. It melts and it comes this way. And, and there is a pH balance to my yard, which is which changes. You got to know the fertilizer that is connected to the soil for the reason why your yard looks good. If you don't understand that, then you're always looking at somebody else's yard and saying that that's greener than mine. But it's not that it's greener. It's just that they understand their constitution better. Wow. Wow. Incredible. So rich. Um you're absolutely blessing us today, Pastor. Listen, I have one more question for you. It's been said, it's been said that with God, uh, waiting time is never wasted time. Um, he's always working behind the scenes. Um, with that being said, what would you say to someone that's listening who feels like they're in a long seasons of waiting? And maybe they feel kind of discouraged, wondering, is a door ever going to open for me? What would you say to that person who's listening? Count it all joy when you go through diverse trials and temptations. The trying of your faith produces patience. And mm. patience must have its perfect work so that you won't be lacking anything. But if any man lacks wisdom, mm. pray that God would give you wisdom and he will give it timing that God has take, taken 
to bring things out of your life, then ask God for wisdom. What do I do? Wow. Um, Wow. If we can't do that, then it is very plausible that we'll do something as a result of our impatience. Wow. Wow. Our transformational truth today is don't get so focused on trying to find open doors that you forsake development. Instead, focus on your development and trust God to take care of the doors. Mm -hmm. Pastor, where can people find you? Where can our listeners find you? Well, you can go on uh, Facebook. On Facebook, I'm Patrick Winfield, uh, the second. Uh, On Twitter, I am Pastor uh, Patrick Winfield. Um, and on, uh, Instagram, uh, they can go to small lowercase P Winfield, uh, all lowercase (laughs) two, all lowercase I, I, so P Winfield, I, I at, uh, at Instagram. So yeah, either one of those, they can find me. Perfect. And I just want to encourage you to look pastor up. I am connected with him and he's constantly dropping um, gold out there on social media. Pastor Winfield, thank you for being on Transformational Truths today. It's been incredible. This is going to bless a lot of people. Thanks, Pastor Travis. Once again, I am so honored to do this and so honored to be in your space and and honored to that you would even ask me to be able to be in your space, to be able to touch the influence that you have. I don't take that for granted, sir, and I'm absolutely appreciative of it. Thank you. Well, Well, Pastor, thank you. We look forward to having you back. I look forward to it. If you'd like to connect with Pastor Patrick Winfield, please check out the links that I've included for you in the show notes. And if Transformational Truths is helpful to you, please do me a favor. Take a moment, go to Apple iTunes and rate the show and write me a quick review. This is going to help us reach more people faster. We want to help you restore the joy to your life and leadership. Thank you.